is picking up the crumbs, you know? Yeah. Uh, so like me having this free open space, you know, nobody's in the gym right now training. Another trainer could be in there or members, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Little things like that, you know, transitioning into whatever you may want. It's not going to, unless you just have a lot of money or capital or investors, whatever, you aren't going to be able to just jump straight into it and sort of be happy go lucky you're probably gonna have to fight for it and sort of slowly transition into it and make ends meet mm-hmm. there's little things that you can add in add up and sort of make that transition smooth for whatever you're you know working on you just have to have a, um, a mindset of just hey i'm gonna do what i gotta do to make shit happen welcome to the zero foot podcast where we bring you inside the minds of elite athletes business owners and other guests i'm your host brock covington and through these conversations you'll hear practical advice and effective strategies for building a more resilient mind if you enjoy listening be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with a friend what's going on guys so today i have on a long-term friend of mine austin page he's the owner of gym flow which is a supplement company based out of richmond virginia and he just moved into his new spot and headquarters where he also does some freelance training out of so how are you doing today man doing great and thank you for having me on the show absolutely so i really want to start right there because you just moved into a new spot. I think you're roughly about two months there, just because I know that. Because obviously, for a little bit of background, for those of uh, you that don't know, me and Austin, our relationship and things like that, is he, you had previously been renting uh, a little spot in the back of our gym uh, ever since we opened the gym. And so you were basically an integrated part of Iron Built Gym itself. Um, and obviously, with us selling the gym, uh, that through everything with what you have in limbo. And so I want to start there with just that whole experience, because obviously that added a lot of stress and uncertainty with us selling the gym as far as what's going to happen with gym flow, where you're going to be, you know, whether you should move back into, you know, an apartment, store yourself there, what to do with that. So what was basically going through your mind during that experience when the whole gym sale was kind of in limbo? Pretty much F Brock. That's what I thought, yeah. <laughs> no, uh, I don't know, man. It, it got to a, a point, and actually, I remember talking to my, my wife about it a little bit, and then also my mom, because I'm a business You're in a business with boy. her as well. So I, Yeah, I'm a mama's <laughs> boy too. But I am uh, in a business with her as well. So like we talk a lot about just random stuff throughout life. And I was like, man, I'm in a weird spot because – Everything in my gut's telling me to uh, move to the new, mm-hmm. you know, where we're at now. But at the same time, it's like, ah, that's taking a big leap. I don't know. These are extra bills I'm going to be bringing on and whatnot. But I realized going back to an apartment, trying to consolidate, spread things thin, and sort of like maintain mm-hmm. isn't going to grow. Like it, it isn't a process or like a an action to grow, mm-hmm. you know. So realizing I needed to spread my wings and get my own spot and – uh Figure it out as I go. Yeah, I feel like when the back's against the wall, it's, you know, it, it's, you kind of have to look at it as do or die, as if, you know, reverting back or taking a step back is that kind of dire situation. And honestly, I was thinking about it while you were talking about it. Your step from, let's say, you're paying X amount of rent to us, and then you're obviously increasing that a little bit to this new space. Let's say that's a certain amount. Let's say it's X amount of a leap, right? But if you were to revert yeah. back to your apartment or to a spot at your mom's place, making that leap from there to where you are today, that would seem way bigger. So if you revert back, you almost have to make like a huge step later rather than another, you know, small burden to take on now. So it's definitely the longer term oh, plan. I mean, even when, when you first got the gym, that was a leap right yeah. there. It's, you know, doubling, almost doubling and plus more, mm-hmm. you know, 
money going out to rent and fees, whatever bills. So it's like, what's that? That didn't put us under. Fuck it. Let's keep going. Let's keep pushing. Yeah. So a little bit about Jim Flow for those who don't know. Uh, could you kind of tell people the origin story? Because I, I, I think I love it a lot because it is a very like humble beginnings type of deal. Yeah, man. So it started off in 2014 and uh, I came home from work one day. I was tired of spending money. Well, I was actually losing work. I was working as a contractor, subcontractor. And I was losing work, so strapped for money, whatnot. And I was like, you know, I'm tired of spending money at Vitamin Shop GNC on pre-workouts that I most of the time didn't even like because I was not really loyal to any brands. So I sat down, literally did the research, which is just asking Google and YouTube mm -hmm. how to make your own product. And uh, shortly after a couple hours of looking around, I realized that we could make our own product, our own pre-workout, so I could save money make my own shit, put shit in it that I truly liked, you know, from my experience back then, which wasn't great. Uh, and one thing led to another. I got my brother on board. He was like, yo, we can make this pretty dirt cheap. Started making tubs for ourselves and led to giving it out to friends at the local gym. So we realized then that we actually had a little business there, mm -hmm. or at least something to, to plant a seed and see what sprouted. And all in all, the, the real goal was just to make it sell it to some friends so it would cover our own costs. So we'd have just free product ourselves. And uh, after we started selling it to more and more people, word of mouth spread uh, of, oh, the Gym Flow boys, mm -hmm. the Gym Flow guys, the brothers, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we st started moving a couple hundred units, handmade, uh, mind you, all these products and supplements that wasn't the way to, to start. But we just did what we had to do mm -hmm. and didn't know any better. Yeah. One thing led to another. We, you know, we we've obviously scaled and gotten to the the right place and making it a lucrative business LLC, mm -hmm. going through dietary manufacturers stuff like that. So we're not doing it in our kitchen anymore. Yeah. So I want to I want to kind of pick up right in the middle of the story because obviously you know you have this first few infancy years where things are kind of you know homemade literally, and you got to the point <laughs> where you know we don't have to get to all the details of the the situation of the story, but you got to a point of like three years in, four years in where you start to expand the line, you got to a real manufacturer, but there were some real financial setbacks, screw ups, or as you would call them, dick kicks that yep. really kind of not only stunted the business, but really put you guys in a situation where it was like, are we even going to continue the business at all? So what, what kind of went through your mind during all of that? And how do you continue to find the motivation and like the endurance to put up with those setbacks and still realize that, Hey, I, I still want to keep this business going long-term. I don't know. I think that the dirt different tiers, I guess, or different uh, steps along the dick kicks per se, uh -huh. there was different reasonings on moving it forward or, you know, staying the course, you know, uh, I guess in earlier times there was money on the line. So we invested a lot of money into building the brand and getting into contract manufacturing and stuff like that. So like I had not only an obligation to, you know, my brother and previous partner to pay back the bills, but mm -hmm. myself and, you know, everything that I put against it. Um, not that, you know, that was the only thing that was keeping me going, but that was a big factor. It was like, Oh, well we still owe money. <laughs> yeah. Not much of a choice. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's backs against the wall. But uh, as of now, man, it's just realizing there is potential. You know, it's I'm only I am only I am the only I guess hurdle. When I think about it, it's like either you you keep moving, you keep trying and trying, or you quit. You know, mm -hmm. that's you, you you can't you know 
I guess what I'm trying to say is you can't fail or you can't like hit rock bottom as long as you don't quit. Yeah. So you're obviously gym flow has kind of been around it. I think an interesting time because you started around the time social media was starting to take off and then where it is now is like a whole different sphere. So how do you kind of think about the supplement <laughs> space as far as when you guys started and you know where supplements are and how they're marketed today? It's definitely different. It started off as very heavy, big bodybuilder, um, you know, Olympia. Mm-hmm. You know, you had to have a big bodybuilder name behind it, at least most of the mainstream brands and whatnot. Now it's definitely switched to more so lifestyle. People like you, people like uh, the average Joe, per mm-hmm. se, that are into a little bit of everything, but, you know, have some influence and are relatable. Mm-hmm. You know, those big time bodybuilders aren't relatable anymore. So I think that's one big twist is that people were. Uh, more into real even what's offered is kind of very different like obviously a pre-workout yeah pre-workout was was there but i i think you know early on right it was like okay protein creatine there might have been a little bit of pre-workout and like a multivitamin but now there's so many different products as far as you know natural test boosters and this herb and this you know you get single ingredients right that are a lot of times uh, put together in pre-workouts and things like that and it's this whole you know, industry now where a lot of companies have, you know, 12, 14, 20 different products, right? Versus, you know, you still have some flagship um, companies like how you guys started and how some other different brands are coming up. Uh, But but it's definitely, like you mentioned, transition more towards health and lifestyle rather than very singular goal focus and very like niche bodybuilding focus because now you have supplements for you know, women and your grandma and these different things like that, like greens, right, is a big product that's taken off that's, you know, very universal. So it, it's definitely, like you said, turned into a wider a wider array of, of products and, and personalities that it fits. Yeah, I, I'd like to touch on that. You know, it started off as hardcore. Yeah. You know, it was like, um, you know, even back then it was, you heard about pro-hormones. Uh, SARMs weren't really around back then, but it was, you know, hardcore pre-workout, you know, uh, test boosters, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And now it's switched to definitely more health, lifestyle, um, things that you could just bring throughout the day or bridge the gap with it, whether it's, you know, functional foods or, you know, greens products, reds, whatever. Mm. But, yeah, I, I definitely think it's starting to twist and at least, if not twist, just become more relevant of, like, things that you could just simply add into have a better quality of life yeah so i asked uh, our good a friend or you call him a professional associate jacob davis you know on the uh, episode two yeah. and he owns the nutrition stores for those of you who don't know down in north carolina and uh, i asked him the same question i think it's, it's great for you as well is how do you separate gym flow and such a crowded space like supplements you know i've i've definitely had the the thoughts and especially like let's say two, three years ago, I thought it was just around the product, you know, oh, Mm -hmm. it's going to be, you know, which it still is no false claims, only gains. That's like a saying that we've sort of uh, stood behind and whatnot, having products that are, you know, efficaciously dosed, meaning that you're getting a result that you want from those ingredients that's, you know, dosed properly. And, uh, you know, it's not so much that anymore, at least my mindset for the brand. It's more so a story uh, and more so a mantra Mm -hmm. of something that you can get behind it's not for everybody it's for those that you know feel in touch with whether it's whatever i'm personally going through or have gone through with the brand the the story of not giving up Mm -hmm. moving forward uh i think that's a great way to sort of 
it's all in all brand you know yeah that, that's oh, what's i think i think that's the right way to look at differentiate, it because yeah. i think the best brands that are really moving the needle right now are story focused or uh yeah culture focus so you know obviously bpn's taken off really big first form's been really big through their you know podcasts and the personalities that they have and you know their kind of mantras and things like that uh and i think you know it is definitely more personality and brand and culture like push even moving forward i mean you have brands like ghost that are very you know the people they push the way they present their products it's not look at our ingredients look at how you know efficaciously dosed our products are it's like how much fun we're having look how cool our label is you know and, yep. and it's instilling this kind of idea of excitement rather than uh, i guess literal value in the product yeah which you know it, neither is wrong nor right you know mm -hmm. um i think those who can do both obviously are going to kill it the best you know providing education about the supplement that you're putting in your body is, is a good thing. But then also, you know, creating culture around the fun, mm -hmm. having a good time, hype, clout, you know, that stuff. It, it definitely, you know, they both go hand in hand if you can do it right. Yeah. And, you know, with that change in social media and supplements and how things are kind of structured and branded and how you can really position the product to sell, how has your strategy changed as far as customer acquisition and getting more eyes on the brand? So I actually just had a meeting uh, with a few people this past week, and it's sort of the way I've always, which isn't wrong, but the way I've been doing it or been attempting to do it is through organic, just mm -hmm. word of mouth, you know, which that is a way to do it. And, you know, it's something you need, you know, providing value, making sure you're taking care of your customers and mm -hmm. hopefully they in turn speak about your business or product service, whatever, and tell their friends. But, uh, that only gets you so far so quickly and you need to be able to scale that, multiply that, put some fire behind it. And that being said, focusing a lot more on building newsletters, uh, not newsletters, uh, email lists, mm -hmm. text messaging lists um, to where I can be able to put these people into automations, whether it's flows, text, email, and also provide some type of value within that flow too, not just a hard sell of like, hey, here's 10, 20% off. It's like, hey, here's more education about the brand, the product, how it's going to benefit you. Um, but be able to acquire, uh, I guess, more attention that way is mm -hmm. as, as one route. But kind of stay top also, of mind, uh, right? Yeah, top of mind. But then as far as like new customers, getting them to the site, putting out more um, skits, reels, things mm -hmm. that I'm definitely wanting to start doing uh, as far as content goes. And it's another thing I started working with a, a guy that's a great friend here, Derek. Uh, he just bought a new camera and has been helping me out here and there. Uh, Filming, whether it be training content, giving out some type of uh, consistent, like a, a gym flow trainer per se. Mm -hmm. um, that's a route that I'm going to start going and hopefully providing value that way to, you know, get more attention and uh, acquire new customers. Yeah, it definitely way. starts with providing, you know, you nailed it, providing value without the expected return or without a paywall initially. You know, a lot of apps, yeah. you know, operate off a freemium model or a lot of times these companies are offering, you know, trial packs or sample packs, kind of like, you know, you did with the starter packs online. That's cheap. Maybe you're eating a little bit of profit, but you're getting people in the door. They try your product. Maybe they like it or at least they'll remember it down the line in the future and things like that. Uh, and with, you know, I think something very specific to you that you've done a good job at but you've also understood you know where your limits are is being a one-man band you know jack of all trades trying to do content email sales management ordering product tasting you're, you're doing everything for your business which allows you to really 
know the brand inside and out and express, you know, your love and authenticity to people. But I think, you know, something that I worked with you on when, you know, I, I was in Richmond and we, we were more closely uh, working together day to day as well as, you know, with what Peyton's kind of filling in with his role right now is knowing, I guess, what you need to delegate to push the brand to that next level because, you know, you know that you can't be the best you can at everything if you're trying to do everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. And literally, just before we got on this, me and Peyton had a little quick meeting um, going over things that I would like him to take over. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because I realize, you know, I'm obviously with just Jim Flow alone, I'm doing it all. But the bandwidth of everything else, I'm trying to spread myself way too thin as far as other projects and things that I'm working on outside of just the brand of Jim Flow. I just haven't had time to really focus on it. And not that that's, uh, you know, definite Mm -hmm. it's more so just temporary it's it's you know it's something i just have to push through for the time being and then once other projects sort of seal off i can get uh more more attention back into the brand and whatnot but having help like peyton like derek definitely helps a ton and i realize and this is almost from day one me uh you know wanting to grow the brand is more so to create opportunity and the more opportunity i can create hopefully whether it is somebody being able to help out with content me you know being able to compensate them in some Mm -hmm. way uh, will help drive the boat further than just me by myself. You know, even though if it's, you know, extra money going out or time that I need to sit aside to explain things or delegate, it's going to pay off in the future. It's not a direct, you know, yeah. return. Yeah, but I mean, I struggle with the same stuff, to be honest. You know, as I, I feel like I have, and I tell Maddie this all the time, I'm obsessed with doing so many different hobbies and so many different things so many different skills and i've always been this as like a kid where you know i wanted to be a photographer i went all in on that then i wanted to be a director so i was like trying to write a script and then i wanted you know do all these different things and even with lifting you know i you know i enjoy bodybuilding but now i'm getting into running i'd love to do like some kind of martial art at some point but you know you have to know okay you only have so much time in a day and even physically you only have you know one body that can't do everything at once And so what I've had to do is really kind of systemize my habits, systemize uh, my day and figure out what I can do. So like one big change, obviously, was selling the gym. And, you know, for those who don't know, again, I I, my main gig, my main job is a freelance video editor. So I spend, you know, a couple hours a day doing that every day. Uh, But freeing up the time that I was at the gym, I had to figure out, okay, how am I going to fill that in and be able to actually capitalize on these other opportunities, these other things? like you mentioned, that I want to do that can bring value, such as this podcast, such as, uh, you know, Instagram content, YouTube, and things like that. And so sometimes you do have to remove something to actually fulfill those other obligations better, you know. So I think in some ways you've probably pulled back, but you've been able to put more time into uh, the investment property, which we'll get into in a bit, uh, more time into the HQ. And obviously that involves a lot of time, effort, and managing getting into a new place, painting, setting up internet, figuring out the bills, figuring out all these different changes that are happening, you know? Yeah. And, you know, maybe if we recapped, which (laughs) this is me just saying, oh, things would probably be a little different a month, maybe two, more so like two months from Mm -hmm. now, uh, especially with this property that we just mentioned uh, that be polishing off. But like the first, I'd say like the first month and a half was just me getting things set up because not only is this our office for gym flow the supplements but i also have like a small niche private training studio Mm -hmm. to where i have a trainer here i have members here so it's just trying to like the past maybe month or so just making sure that 
I have that 24-hour door hooked mm-hmm. up that, you know, uh, I have things set up on the website to where it can pull monthly, you know, subscriptions or membership mm-hmm. fee. Uh, to, there's those little things that you don't think take a lot of time. Yeah. They take more than you think usually. Almost everything takes double the amount of time mm-hmm. and twice as much money. And uh, so, like, the past month, definitely a lot of leeway lost probably with pushing the brand that much further. But now that those things are set in stone or set a lot more concrete, I you know, I think in the next month or so, if we were to recap and be like, damn, what are you focusing on now? Mm-hmm. What are you doing? It wouldn't be so much like, oh, I'm just catching up uh, with this yeah, move, whatever. Yeah, catching uh, things like that. Yeah. To where I could probably have a little bit more, which I do – plan on uh, setting down and doing because I do have some personal goals myself, but like you're saying, having those daily, like, all right, this, that, and that are getting done mandatory. And Mm -hmm. then anything else after that's extracurricular, like Mm -hmm. these three things or four things, five things, whatever that list may be, are the mandatory, you know, habits or actions that I'm going to be doing. And then after that, you know, this little piddly thing here, Mm -hmm. piddly thing there that can, if it has time, it can get done type deal. Yeah. And and one thing I want to pick out of what you just mentioned too, is I, I like, and you've been this way always, is you're crafty with figuring out how you can make ends meet even better. So, for example, you know, you moved into the space. You mentioned it's a bit more than what you were paying uh, us for that space. But, you know, what did you do? Well, you figured, okay, I'm going to freelance in here. You also figured, let me try and see if I can get other freelance trainers to pay me a small fee to use it here. Now you're also yep. setting up a membership for the people that want to, you know, use this small space. So obviously it's not going to be a big public gym. You're not going to be able to pull a ton of members. You're not going to be able to charge a ton of money. But there is a market there that, you know, even if it's an extra 30 bucks a month or an extra 100 bucks, 200 bucks, it's extra money that's there. And I think a lot of people just sit on their hands and say, oh, this is it, you know. But if you have a job, let's say, where you have a lot of downtime, you're sitting at a desk, that's an opportunity to you know, multitask to do different things, do a job while you're at a job. You know, I I used to work a job where I had a lot of downtime at this gym and I was able to edit while I was already getting paid hourly. And, you know, that's another thing too, that I told Peyton, he texted me the other day, he was in class, didn't want to be in class. And I was like, dude, I get that. That's why I dropped out. But, you know, not telling him to drop out, although you can always consider it. But I told him though, I was like, well, you hate the class. You're not paying attention use that free time to watch some YouTube videos on graphic design, on video editing, on whatever you know you want, because that'll give you time to develop a skill that is at, at a minimum, you can use it, make your own graphics, edit your own videos, whatever. But B, that can turn into a you know, financial opportunity and very lucrative opportunity. I mean, the whole, my whole income the past five years has basically been funded by a skill that I learned at 11, 12 years old, uh, just, fiddling around on the computer with video editing and making my own like funny home videos basically. And so it's, you know, it's the free time that you choose to make work for you rather than just letting, you know, it's creating more than you're consuming really at the end of the day. Yes. Yes. And, uh, I, I liked when you sort of mentioned, cause I just had a, on that meeting that I have with these couple people to help me out with the brand and some, some, some direction and whatnot with acquiring customers, but is, is picking up the crumbs, you know? Yeah. Uh, so like me having this free open space, you know, nobody's in the gym right now training. Another trainer could be in there or members, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I could just, I've not have pursued it and not picked up the extra 20, 30, 200 bucks, but little things like that, you know, transitioning into whatever you may want. It's not going to, unless you just have a lot of money or capital or investors, whatever, you aren't going to, be able to just jump straight into it and 
sort of be happy-go-lucky, you're probably going to have to fight for it and sort of slowly transition into it and make ends meet. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, being creative, picking up the crumbs per se. I don't know if that's a, a probably a better terminology than that, but you know, that little bit. There's little things that you can add in, add up, and sort of make that transition smooth for whatever you're, you know, working on. You just have to, I don't know, have to be open, and uh, have a um, a mindset of just, hey, I'm gonna do what I got to do to make shit happen. Yeah, and to wrap up on gym flow before we give into the uh, investment property, because that's an interesting experience in its own right. Is you know where do you see gym flow headed? Where are you trying to push it? And with that, you know, let's say end goal you have in mind, whether it's three year, five year goal. What are the key factors that you are trying to improve on that you think are going to be the make or break points as far as pushing you to that next kind of tier on the pyramid? So as I moved into this new spot, one thing, and I have it written in an email that before I started transitioning, like after y'all had moved, I was like, all right, what am I going to start doing? You know, I I do enjoy training, Mm -hmm. you know, personal training. um, But how can I sort of scale that, but also incorporate the brand a little bit and, you know, eventually make it to where the it is just the brand, you know. Um, and our mantra or our credo is, you know, keep moving forward. And with that, I wanted to create something that could sort of create a uh, culture community. And whether it be some type of activity-based community or just get together, just meet other people that are almost like the party in the gyms, but not, you know, something where it's going to be activity-based. a little group run. Yeah, and I... You know, I I mentioned it once or twice. I I showed up, but uh, Dude, you know, I really didn't. I don't play. I didn't people put, do not like running, and they don't like it on no. a whim. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know, but there's some there's something there that I feel like I could create uh, and start working on to sort of cultivate. I think it's contagious. Um, I think when you're when you're it making is. progress, when you're doing great things, and you know, we can get on it too later about cycling. And if you you know, I, I know you've been doing it, but. Have you, I yes. don't know if you've been doing it as structured as you were in the past, but I know when you were had a very specific goal, you were very driven about it, and you were you know people were seeing that progress and seeing the changes you were making. People were asking questions. It, it was very contagious. People were very interested in what you're doing. And I think whether it's you know business, whether it's fitness, whether it's whatever, when people see that progress, they get interested and they also you know want to join in on it too. A hundred percent, man. I mean, just showing it like you do with the running and whatnot, you know, even though if you might, might not be into running, mm-hmm. you know, it does get me fired up. It's like, man, I'm a piece of crap. Yeah. I need to step it up, you know, um, not just to run, but just to get out and move, challenge myself, yeah. put a demand on your body. Mm-hmm. But uh, what I, I guess to finish off with is I want to create some type of culture, community of activity and becoming better, whether it is together or virtual or some sorts but i i'm still i can show or talk to you more yeah. about it after maybe get your input and how i could you know it'll cost get you. the first stages going <laughs> yeah i bet man you're pretty high but uh yeah man speaking of cycling uh i've gotten into that a little bit man and uh i actually just bought a bike cleaning kit yeah i haven't cleaned the bike since i bought it nice and it's pretty fucking gross. So it was like gunked up with all types of shit around the gears and whatnot. Would I had trouble shifting yeah. gear uh, chain would pop off. So I finally cleaned it last night, and uh, I've been riding at least twice a week. Not probably as long as I should. Yeah. I might get out there do a quick fifteen miles or something like that. Which you know, biking just takes so fucking long. It's a dude, I feel, endurance I mean, is a time thing because especially if you want to yeah. do. You know, unless you're doing really short bike races or you're doing, you know, shorter runs like half marathon or shorter, 
you know, the, the normal races are like a full workout length. So, so if you're lifting also, that's already like a two a day, two, three hours of training. And then if it, yep. if it's a long ride or long run, you know, that can be two, three hours as well. So no, it's definitely a big time commitment. And if you already have like a busy schedule, yeah, that's why I, I always, you know, people that are like, Oh, I'm, I have, I have a busy schedule. I, you know, people, I was telling Maddie, I saw someone, um, across from us got groceries delivered <laughs> and I was like, are they really that busy? Because the people that don't work out and that don't have multiple jobs and they say they're busy, fuck you. You ain't busy. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I just feel like, I don't know, I'm going off on a tangent here, but uh, point is it's it's tough with endurance sports to fit in. I get that. Yeah. But I've been getting out there and uh, doing a little something, keeping my legs, I guess, a little yeah. used to it and whatnot. And um, now that I've had a lot of, doctor's visit, visits and whatnot, yeah. uh, clearing me for the blood clots and things are looking better, resolving, that uh, I feel more confident in myself getting out there and sitting on that bike seat much longer than I have been yeah. um, and trying to knock this out before this birthday. Well, I feel like you're in a perfect city for cycling because, you know, as much as, you know, I moved to Colorado Springs, huge running area with Pikes Peak, tons of different trails, huge, like, running, especially trail running community. Kind of conversely, in Richmond, there's a huge cycling community, and you have the Capitol Trail right there that obviously you ride a lot on that's very local and close to you. But there's so many bike yep. shops, biking clubs, and groups. I know uh, I still see, and he, he's an absolute beast. Like I'd probably argue he's better than Ronnie, is uh, John from Blanchard's. You know, when we went that one time? Yeah, you showed me. I still haven't, I haven't checked Dude, him out on Instagram. He is, uh, like well, he's an interesting guy in general. I'd love to get him on the podcast. I don't know if he wants to, but uh, I haven't talked to him since Cuppings years ago. But he is a uh, absolute beast on the cycling bikes. He's in some kind of, like, cycling team, and they win all the time. And yeah. he's, like, in first. And, he, he, you know, he cycles, like, hundreds of miles a week, I feel like. But um, Fuck. Anyway. No, but my my point is you're in a good spot for it. So I, I am looking forward to. I know you've had to kind of wait for for clearance and things like that, and it's obviously understandable. Take care of your health and your life first. Uh, but I, I'm definitely eager to kind of see where where your training takes you with that. Yeah, man. Because uh, every day, at least during that move, and even a little bit before that, I sort of backed off training with the bike and whatnot. And it's honestly, I could not do it and totally be fine. Nobody's mm -hmm. like. Nobody's watching me. Nobody's like, hey, you didn't finish that. <laughs> but deep down, I know in the back of my head, I said I was going to do it. Yeah. So I'm going to fucking do it. You know, whether it is training as long as I should, I'm just going to, I'm setting a date before my birthday and it has to be done. Mm -hmm. You know, and something's been eating me up about it. So that's why I've definitely been taking the actions to get back out there and do it. Yeah. I think you and me both have this just internal pride and i think a positive ego that if we say something we're that we're going to do something that it, it has to get done and if that means we're going to fail if that means it's going to take forever if we're going to have to keep dealing with stupid injuries it is what it is yeah. you know i've certainly dealt with it with the it ban um with this 50 mile race coming up i just the last podcast before this one uh if you listen to it you know i'm talking about why i'm choosing to do the 50 miler rather than just the 55k and i'm willing to fail i'm willing to be at like 40 miles and maybe shit goes you know to the wayside and i fail but i'm kind of just willing to keep trying it's that persistence and that's it's that obsession with the end goal and you know i think a lot of people should embrace that kind of non-quit mentality even if it, if it is years and years down the road i think people are just too too uh 
too easy to quit and too easy to make excuses. And I think it's yes. good to have that mentality deep down that, you know, you, I don't know. You just don't let go, you know, like and, you said, you know, you know could if you say, oh, yeah, it's like you could say, oh, well, what's it matter? But it's you said you were going to do it. Yeah, it's a self-accountability. That's what that's a good yeah. way to kind of tie in what I'm talking about. It's that self-accountability, because like you said, no one's no one's there to like, you know, tug on your arm and say, hey, you, you said this. And, you know, even on Instagram, for the most part, unless you're like, you know, super popular or something like that, no one's going to message you and say, hey, I remember no. you said you were going to do this. So it's only up to you. And but but people, I think, really do respect that self-accountability and look to that. Uh, especially when it comes as far as you know role models and and people that they honor and respect uh but yeah. let's get into uh that investment property so you purchased the property shoot was it back in november of last year it was it was a little over a year ago okay so it was actually uh like last summer no you know it was because yeah, i no, remember it was, i remember you were working on it through the winter i think yeah it was probably August, maybe the beginning of August, maybe okay. even before then. Okay. So about a Probably, year. Yeah. About a year. About a year. So I guess recap real quick for the you know the people again that don't know, uh, what did you basically buy? What have you been working on basically? And and, and what is that the kind of ups and downs with this whole remodel fixer upper experience been like? Yeah. So this property started off as something that I originally did not want to get into. Um, I didn't think or know much about Airbnb or short-term rentals, um, but I'd heard about it. Of course, my Uncle G, Uncle G. Grant Cardone, Uncle G. <laughs> you know, uh, he had talked. He talked about cash flow, and I understand that from the aspect oh, of and, real uh, estate. Oh, and like, uh, you know, the Asian fella. Oh, Burr method. Yeah, I forgot his name though. The Burr method. You want uh, buy this? Well, I'm gonna get canceled if I do an action. Uh, Brett, <laughs> um, but yeah, so. I, I knew my mom. She had dabbled a little bit. She was Airbnb out one of her duplexes mm -hmm. that she has uh, down in Tappahannock, and she was doing really well with that and making 3x, 4x, 5x the amount she would with a long-term rental per month. You know, let's say she was renting 700 a month for the long-term rental, she's making three grand, 3500 off the short-term rental a month. And I was like, damn, that's what I gotta be doing. Well, that's what I, I should get into because with training, I can only scale myself, but so far, you know, I can only train, but so many hours. Uh, and so we talked about a lot and something I realized, I don't remember when it clicked for me. I think it was a Tim Ferriss book, but you know, I think a lot of people don't think about this is that you only have so much time in a day. So you, you yes. can either do one of two things. You can have money, make money on its own while you're not actually working it or yes. the hours that you work, you can increase your hourly rate. So obviously if you're at a corporate job, you're kind of limited, right? Because you know, you're, you're at their whim as far as how much they're going to pay you. So that's why being an entrepreneur offers a lot of opportunity if you can make more per hour. However, there's also the disadvantage of not making as much per hour and bringing that in. It's all on you. Um, but, you know, tying it back in and handing it back over to you is, you know, this idea of passive income is a great chance to uh, have that money kind of work for you while, you know, you're actually in the foreground doing the work itself. Of course. Well, you speaking about either you charge more an hour or, you know, find money that's going to work mm. for you. I did both because as soon as I moved into here, I realized, uh, you know, <laughs> I'm, I can only go, but so far, like, and I got to that point where I was like, ah, should I start charging more? Mm -hmm. And you don't know until you just try. Yeah. What are they going to do? I have say no. <laughs> say, right? Like, says, says you know, the book, I think this motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know. I think not only myself, but a lot of people out there, maybe listening to this, are in that spot where they do some type of service to where it's like, uh, I don't know. I'm afraid to lose people. But 
hey, at the end of the day, it's, you know, you're either growing or, you're, you know, still struggling to get by. But anyways, um, d- bought this piece of property with my mom because she had experience with Airbnb. And, and plus, it a I didn't bit. really. So it's it's not, I wouldn't call it quite a shithole, but it, it was in oh, dire yeah. circumstances. Shit. I, I forgot that I didn't even mention the property. So the, the house is from 1950, yep. the property. It had a single wide trailer on it that was ran to shit grass and Been weeds for, are just overgrown yeah, shit yeah over top of my head grass and weeds and uh the house uh if i had to grade it a to f it's definitely an f yeah um holes in the ceiling mm. you could literally see the sky from the inside i'll say personally i uh now knowing like the deal you got to kind of start it i think there was yeah. like obviously value to going in on it and what you guys have turned it into but like let's say you had to buy it for what it was like truly appraised at no it's not worth it like there there is potential for the property for you know again for a little bit of context it's you know by a creek and uh there's a nice little pier but the pier was you know the pier was fucked the house was kind of all messed up you've had to do a lot to it uh and so like looking at it i was like well i hope it works out for you (laughs) you know yeah well i can i can give some short numbers um so like we got into it and uh got into the property around ninety thousand dollars the property was appraised for i think 225 um after the fact so definitely got a good deal on it a great deal a family deal and um because my family over the years or generations had owned it and they just wanted to get rid Mm -hmm. of it nobody kept up with it for the past 15 years and um they were either going to sell it or give it away so i i decided to uh take that offer up with my mom um because not only I don't have enough money or cash flow to be dumping thousands and thousands of dollars into it. But us combined with our credit, both of our credits are good, blah, blah, Mm -hmm. blah. We were able to get a bank loan and use the bank's money for most of the work. But I'd say the first eight months was all sweat equity, just us Mm -hmm. going down there ourselves, painting, buying it, you know, little odds and ends, a couple hundred bucks here, a couple hundred bucks there, just to get it to where it was. And then finally being able to get a bank to come down there and be like, Oh, we'll loan you money on mm-hmm. this piece of property. Cause when we first got it, I don't think anybody would have gave us money no. uh, to, to touch that place. But so far um, it's been over a year and we probably put close to $60,000 into the property um, and looking to get it reappraised once the work is done, um, which should be in the next week, probably by the end of this week, it should be completely done and uh, get a bank back down there to reappraise it and move forward with now, that. Now, if the appraisal was very generous, would you and your mom consider just calling it a flip and trying to sell it? No. Okay. You're committed to the long term. No, we talked. Yeah, we talked about it. And, uh, no, not at all. Unless, for some reason, somebody was get like deathly ill yeah, okay. and needed, the, needed money, the money, then obviously we would do that. But, uh, no, the, the, the big goal is, and we didn't realize this till we got there, that there's three other parcels or lots that can be buildable oh, yeah, you told me about that, down yeah. there. So hopefully the goal is since you know we don't have just the money sitting around it's using the bank's money who's mm-hmm. only loaning our money out to other people to make money with you might as well use it is we're going to take the uh the appraisal of the reappraisal the page and take resort. that money that's right the <laughs> compound yeah flip that that house into the next house and then reappraise that house mm-hmm. flip that house into the next house and you know hopefully uh you know already you know, having them to get yeah <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, everything sounds good on paper. This first house, we were expecting to get done in like three to four, six months that. tops. Yeah. Yeah. It's a year and a half, almost going on a year and a half later. We're still not. Houses any- are tricky, dude. We're- and, you know, COVID, COVID aside, which is a you know, big thing in the 
the housing market aside, with which has been wild too, uh, is just things take time to get people out there to get you know prices and quotes on things, and then to pay for them, and then a lot of jobs and contractors are booked you know months out and things like that, and then you know even blinds like some of the blind sizes that we have in our own house that we got at Lowe's like those are out of stock like just stuff is yeah stuff is so fucked and houses are kind of tricky you know you touched on the loan a little bit i mean i i think for people who own houses they get it but uh it is such a process to get a mortgage and get a loan because they're digging through every like piece of paperwork everything you've ever done i mean i had stuff plainly like labeled and obvious and and legit and they were like do you own or like is this a payment this payment to the irs is that on a payment plan i'm like no this is just my quarterly taxes like a regular especially if you're self-employed you're, you're gonna go through hell is what i'll, I'll tell you if you are um but yeah it, it, it's a process but you know to tie things back together you know with this property it's it's very much a present sacrifice present commitment and risk for that kind of future reward so yes you know how how are you kind of mentally keeping that in mind that hey you know eat shit now eat that uh fancy steak later that's right <laughs> well it, i still have to fight this daily it's like all right are you in this for what well, nothing short or nothing quick is worth a fuck yeah you know most of the time unless um no, there's I was, the, as they say <laughs> you and me in bed we're probably a yeah, quick yeah quick, it's a great 30 seconds no. And it ain't worth it. I'll tell you that. No. no. <laughs> it ain't worth it. But um nothing it's it's all long game, you know. Yeah. Life is long. Hopefully I, I I live a long life. But uh you know, it's it's a long game and I I need to start thinking more 5 10 years from now, which would only put me at 42, mm-hmm. you know, which is much older than what you would be 10 years from now, but you know, the earlier you start, the the better it is. Um but things like this is it going to be the make all? It's going to make me rich. Probably not. Is it going to help add additional income to whatever else that I'm hoping, hopefully scaling on the side of it? Yes. So like, yeah. Well, I think a lot I, of people I, they're almost like they're they don't act all or nothing, but they think all or nothing as far as and not your not your slogan is what I'm saying. Yeah. But they uh they they almost think oh an extra you know let's say this rental probably brings in an extra like hundred two hundred bucks a month like. Oh, I, I don't, that's not worth it to me. Right. Like that's barely anything for all the effort you're putting yeah. into it, but they don't see, okay, a couple of years from now, maybe it's bringing in three, 400. Maybe you've had, you know, you've allowed that to create like another property. They don't, they, they want the, the million dollar, the lottery, you know, re- return, you know, the, the piddly stuff that eventually creates a big impact, a big financial benefit. People aren't willing to put in the work for that. You know, it's the same thing with like a physique, yeah. right? Like you spend a whole year building up physique, your physique, maybe you lose 10 pounds, add a few pounds of muscle. A lot of people are like, I'm not going to spend eight years to get the physique you have, Brock, or eight years to 10, 12 years to get the physique you have, Austin. Like, I don't, I don't, I, it's too much work. Like, it's not, it's not worth it for me, you know? Um, so I, I like that you're kind of thinking in that kind of long-term perspective because it is it, not, not too many people do look, look at it that way. That's what I'll say. Yeah, man. And uh, it w- wasn't until not too long ago I started thinking like that, you know. I, I want now. Everybody wants now, yeah. you know. But uh, anything worth having, you're going to have to work your fucking balls off for most likely, and it's going to take twice as long as you think. Yeah. At least from my experience. Yeah, absolutely. But anyway, you've gotten to the point where the property is basically kind of ready to go and rent. So, you know, what is 
what is your process, I guess, for getting more eyes on the property? Because it isn't in like, you know, Miami or some big spotlight, you know, town or area. So how do you and your yeah. mom plan on going about um, kind of recruiting interest? Uh, so for the time being, obviously, when you get on Airbnb, you get ranked or rated, mm-hmm. just like most things, you know, the higher the ranking, the more your property or your site gets put up um, and ranking. So uh, the first couple stays are going to be discounted to some family, friends, people to be able to get in there, get some reviews going, um, and so hopefully honest, system. genuine. <laughs> yeah, oh, you got to skew the data a little bit, but hey, if you if you ain't cheating, you ain't trying. That's right. That's right. But uh, having some friends stay, obviously, maybe not so close friends, but people to stay at a discounted rate for the first couple weeks or times, and uh, get some solid reviews mm-hmm. going, uh, because it, it is skeptical for somebody wanting to stay at a place that doesn't have any reviews. And uh, it's like, oh, well, what the fuck's wrong mm-hmm. with this place? But cool thing about, I guess, Airbnb is, is, is it just puts your shit out there. We already have bookings for the next two months. Um, yeah, from people from New York, Florida, uh, Tennessee, hmm. um, people that are coming in from out of the you woodwork. Know I, I don't know why too? they're coming to I was about to ten- say, I wonder what the fuck is, is in, you know, Virginia, especially like, isn't it, is it in Roanoke? Is that the area? No. No, Tappahannock. Tappahannock. I knew it was some like, river lake related thing tapahannock but yeah. like what's in tapahannock that people are like coming you know coming for honestly you know <laughs> and dude honestly so like the the first couple people is is people somebody's coming from new york uh-huh. and they're meeting their mom from florida and they're meeting halfway oh, in the middle yeah it's weird and it's, stuff. It's, yeah yeah weird stuff uh the second person's coming in for uh thanksgiving their family lives in tapahannock mm-hmm. they're coming in for thanksgiving boom uh they're having like a week stay there uh other person just saw it they want to propose there oh shit you know, I don't know. I don't think it's like they'll get on the pier and fall right through. You know. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we, they already know. We list shit like that. But you know, at Airbnb, I just puts it out there. I guess you know, I, I'm still new to it. I'm still green yeah. to it. But it's just kind of like we. As soon as we hit live, bookings started to happen. Are they falling yeah. in? No. But there's definitely a handful of bookings already there with us. Really not having any pictures on there. Yeah. Just one or two pictures of like the river. Not even the house. You don't want to see the house just yet. But. uh <laughs> It's it's almost there. Did you install a bidet in the uh, the house? No, and I still haven't done that here at the I gym. Knew, I, knew you I had thought here. about, it. dude. You I thought about it the about past it two days when you had some blowouts. I mean, when yep. I'm <laughs> when I'm doing it, and I'm like, damn. And then I'm like, all right, I'll get it later. Yeah. And then later comes and dude, I uh, and maybe this is too much for people, but I uh, so I only have the one still from our last apartment. I haven't I haven't bought another one for the house. We have three bathrooms, and right now the uh, the one I have is upstairs. So sometimes, uh, you know, I'm sipping coffee, I'm reading with Dobie downstairs. I don't want to go all the way upstairs. I'll poop in the bathroom downstairs. But if it's not uh, a simple one, I'm like, fuck. So then I got to run upstairs, power clean, and then come back down. It's yeah, just like dude. a funny process. But it's worth it. Oh, it's, it's, oh, worth it's very it. worth it. If if you're listening you've never used a bidet, do not knock it till you try it. Uh, there is... Every it is a very heterosexual activity. There's nothing nothing different about it, and it's just about being clean. And it's unless you've tried it, it's more than you think. Mm-hmm. It it gives you it gives us a, a service and and result more than you think. It's not just like something weird. I yeah. don't know. It's it's very refreshing. Yeah, very refreshing. <laughs> anyway, uh, I appreciate you coming on today, and I I'm definitely gonna have yeah. to pick your brain in the future because. Uh, you know, it won't be three, four years from now, but we eventually, I think, want to turn our property into an investment. And, you know, we'll, we won't probably Airbnb it because there's so many military families around here that, and there's two bases, a Space Force and an Air Force. We're probably going to be able to rent it. Space Force? Yeah, dude. I'll tell you about Fuck. that. Fuck. 
Uh, <laughs> but we're probably going to be have an easiest time to uh, rent this thing out just because of our positioning. And it's actually a rental across uh, across from us. But uh, yeah. But anyhow, thanks again for coming on. And uh, again, where can people find you and, and find Gymflow, most importantly? Well, thank you for having me. You can find me on all platforms, but it's going to be different names. Instagram's where I'm most active, so find me on there, at a pageman. Uh, and then Gymflow is at Gymflow, G-Y-M-F-L-O underscore. And the website's gymflow.co. Dot co. Anyway. Yep. Ch- check us out. Give us a, uh, Give us a try and let us know what you think. Yeah, we'll catch you guys in the next one.